Mindfulness Mode 216. This film has really taught me a lot about mindfulness and, and to understand mindfulness more than just using it as a loose word or, oh yeah, I was mindful of, no, 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 really deep mind, you know, really sinking it in and applying mindfulness in a way that is delicate. You're listening to today's episode of Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks so much for joining us. If this is your first visit, welcome. If you're returning, thanks again for being a a faithful, mindful tribe listener. I really, truly appreciate you. Today's guest is a film producer. He's also a storyteller, as he'll explain in the episode. His most recent film is called The Messengers. It was just screened in New York City. I mean, how exciting is that? It's been screened in Orlando and Tampa. Well, it's a story-based informative look at podcasting and what it is and how it communicates. If you've been listening to the show for a few episodes here, you know I was speaking at PodFest Multimedia Expo in Orlando in February. I was fortunate enough to see a, a pre-screening of the film, The Messengers, then. It's produced by Chris Kremitzos and today's guest, filmmaker Neil Galarte. In this interview, he shares his biggest life lesson about focus and not letting life slip away without doing truly what you want. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Sit back and just drink in the passion and energy of Neil Galarte. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm very excited today. I've got Neil Galarte with me. So Neil, are you in mindfulness mode? Yeah, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to be when you're a video guy and you've got all the stuff going on that you do. I'm sure that you have to be mindful and focused. Neil Gallardi is the owner of Wild Style Media in Tampa, Florida, which is an award-winning high-end video and film production company. Neil is also host of the All Things Post podcast, founding member of the Florida Podcasters Association and co-organizer of PodFest with Chris Kermitsos. Neil is also a podcast launch coach and speaker. It's really great to talk with you because like I said earlier, you really, really have to be focused. Tell us about the, the kind of mindfulness you apply to your filming and your editing and all the work that you do, Neil. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Bruce. It's, uh, I'm really pleasure. excited to be on your show and grateful to be here. Um, you know, uh, as I listened to you introduce me, I kind of I was like, wow, I kind of feel important for a moment here. But uh, really, <laughs> really, all of those things um, require a different level of mindfulness. But at the same time, they require something in common, right, which is obviously a lot of focus. Yeah. And um, so basically with the film and video, uh, you know, when you're editing a, vi- a film like we just did with The Messengers that has thousands of edits, Um, You know, being organized, being mindful of how you organize things, being mindful as you film it, thinking at the end how you're going to use it. Um, It takes a lot of what I call pre-visualization. So, you know, I know it's it's really maybe not exactly the definition of mindfulness, but having pre-visualization is what makes me mindful so that I can reach that end goal. And as far as the other things that I do, like speaking or, or coaching podcasters through launching, um, all those other things that I enjoy doing simply just to give back, 
they take a different level of mindfulness because I have to be mindful of their beginning stages. I have to be mindful of how things were when I first started. I have to take off this now I am more advanced mentality and go back to what did I feel like when I was stressed out trying to learn this by myself. So I, I constantly feel like I'm shifting to different levels of mindfulness to be able to juggle all the things that I do. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm just grateful to be able to do all of them. And I, and I am grateful that I have a lot of focus uh, and patience really to do it all. Well, I'm thinking not only do you have to be mindful as you're filming, but you must have to have an incredible memory because all that <laughs> footage, then how do you possibly remember to get back there and know what the cuts are that yeah. you want in certain places? Yeah, let me tell you, this film in particular, uh, it's not any different than any other film, but this particular one had over 800 gigabytes of raw footage. So oh, wow. part of it is being there recording it. So by having been uh, part of the team that shot it, I kind of remember what I personally shot. But in this case, I would have to remember what the other cameramen as well did. And uh, that's why I spent like the first 30 days just watching every inch of it and refamiliarizing myself being very mindful of all the different takes, the angles, the lighting, the sound differences in each one, because I then have to send it to a sound guy and be able to tell him what I want. I mean, they're not just going to go and listen to all of it. So uh, it's a, it does take a ton of memory. What it really takes more though, is just a lot of uh, organization and importing everything very specifically, very specifically, because in the end it could really, really harm you when you don't do it right, because you'll lose thousands of hours trying to organize it later. I'm sure, I'm sure. And podcasts are, are going to take an, a whole new meaning with this film, because now people can watch and learn about what podcasts are and, and the many people that have created podcasts and the, the uh, effect they've had. So Mindful Tribe, what we're talking about is a phenomenal documentary style film that Neil has been working on, which mm -hmm. has come out of... Well, it's really come out of the Florida Podcasters yeah. Association, hasn't it? And with Chris Kremitzos and, mm -hmm. and uh, some other people as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about how you got into doing this and where sure. this came from. Um, I've been doing video for since 1991. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a very long story, but the way that the Messengers film was born was at last year's PodFest when Chris Kremitzos just literally glanced at me and said, no one has ever told the story of all these podcasters. Not that they podcast, the story that brought them the podcast. Do you think we have a movie here? And that launched us on a 10-month journey to travel the world. We went to Guatemala, Puerto Rico, Los Angeles, Ohio, Kansas City, the Florida Keys, you name it. Finding the stories of all the different podcasters, why they do it. And then, and then kind of, of course, bringing that back to the art of finding your own voice and becoming a content creator on your own. So basically... Um, that is how that was born. Now, aside from that, I run a media company and we have regular client work. Uh, but filming, filmmaking is my passion, my life passion. Documentary filmmaking is becoming my new thing because it's, I never, I was always wanted to be a regular, I call regular fictional uh, filmmaker. I've just found a real natural talent now. And in partnering with Chris, we've become very symbiotic, incredible storytellers. And so now we're sort of nestling in finding our way into documentary filmmaking and kind of really liking where we are and seeing the messengers premiere just the other day it really reinforced that uh, we're on the right track so that's sort of what this film is about and you can learn more about it by going to um uh the messengers doc like for documentary.com 
Right. And yeah, I saw the, the pre-screening of it and it was very exciting. I know there were changes made uh, before it, it aired the other day yeah. and that was in Tampa, wasn't it? And yeah, uh, yeah how exciting because I've talked to a number of people that were there and oh, yeah. they said it was just the most incredible time. I talked to to Lee Silverstein and he just oh, was really, really thrilled with how it came out. So yeah, it, Mindful Tribe, when you get a chance to see this film, you got to go yeah. for it. If it comes on Netflix or wherever yeah. it appears. We're almost there. We're actually gearing to give it to Apple in a day or so. And then uh, they said it's about 60 to 90 days if they actually approve it. Um, we just told the story of amazing people. We didn't base it on fame. We based it on the level of storytelling. And we're hoping that at the end of the day, if you're a podcaster and you see this film that you just want to put your hand to your chest and say, I'm proud to be a podcaster. That's all we want. Well, and it is all about story. And I know you went to Guatemala and you yeah. saw a lot of situations and a lot, mm -hmm. of, a lot of people. How do you go from just looking around, seeing what you're seeing, and then saying, oh, there's a story that we can put together and yeah. that can be part of the documentary. How do you go there and how do you use mindfulness to do it? I was about to say that. I'm glad you asked me that question because that was one of the biggest parts of the trip that was based on mind, you know, using mindfulness in the, right. in the um, how do you say it, in the careful and um, cautious recording of people's lives that are right. going through severe poverty. Yes. So as we walked through Guatemala, which I won't lie to your audience, was incredibly life changing. It humbled me in ways. I mean, I was literally recording and then I would literally be crying. And I felt like so weird because I couldn't control my emotions. And I remember as we walked uh, to the different homes, they kept reminding me, you know, just please make sure you shoot them with dignity. Not, yeah. not that you don't tell their story, but that let's not show them with flies on their eyes and try to make it depressing for others to see. Let's try to show their joy that, that even though amongst all this poverty, they're still sort of happy and they have a good life. So, but let me tell you, Bruce, uh, you know, we walked into some homes where when I walked out um, and I know Spanish, so I was able to communicate with them on their level in a language that they were comfortable. And they would tell me stories post recording that literally, I remember at one point I just sat on this big mountain. It was like 7,000 foot elevation. And I remember I was walking down just ready to leave and my emotions just overwhelmed me because I have a three-year-old and I would see a little three-year-old, you know, with a cow in the backyard in the water that she has to drink out of. And they were literally just broken to tears and couldn't control my emotions. So, but I had to be mindful of getting what Chris Kremitzos, my executive producer, needed from me as a storyteller for our film. But at the same time, I had to be mindful of respecting their situation and bringing my camera into their world, totally invading their privacy uh, and trying to tell the best of both worlds, you know, keep their dignity, but at the same time, tell their story properly. And I'm really proud of how it came out in the film. And uh, I'm, I tell you what, I have enough footage to go make an entire movie just about Guatemala. Wow, do you? And so then you get into editing, you get into the post-production, mm. then it must be almost overwhelming yeah. and, and the amount of <laughs> mindfulness you have to have then in order to just take it one step at a time. How do you do that? Well, let me tell you, Chris will tell you, I scared the, I scared the bejesus out of him because um, literally I lost 30 days just familiarizing myself with the footage. We had another editor that at the, uh, about midway was let go. Oh. So I actually inherited the editing of the messengers. Now I am an editor by trade, but I was in this particular film, I was supposed to just direct it. So it took me almost a month just to watch three cameramen's worth of stuff. And I had to get all the sound that was recorded separately and sync it all up. Oh. And by the time I just started, we were already behind two months. So 
a lot of, I'm not sure any of you that were a podcast, but you know, I was literally editing until the day it played. And then I lost my father-in-law. And so we weren't able to complete the film, which is why it went from being the premiere to a screener. Mm -hmm. And then now I've had two and a half weeks. It's completely done. And we just premiered it in Tampa. But as far as the editing, it's just, it's an overwhelming amount of footage. But you know, once you start cutting, Bruce, you start to remember who said what, and then you, and then you do the first layer of cutting, but then the second pass, now you're looking for beauty shots. And I flew my drone and I shot a lot of drone for this film. And then that started to add the majesty of it. I had to be mindful of how I look at the, uh, the global view. And then the third pass is sound and graphics and title. So, you know, each step you have to sort of massage it and the film starts to take form. And then that's when you finally can say you're in the zone per se, and you can bring it home for the viewer. And let me tell you, when we got a standing ovation, it, 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 it moved my heart because I had lost my father-in-law who wanted to be at the premiere. And even through that trial and tribulation, we made it. And then Chris and I, who are down now, it's just down to us two. We started with a bunch of us. Um, it's just been real heartwarming to see the film be um, uh, taken in the way it has because it's been a, it's been a marathon to, to make this movie. Well, I know being down in Orlando, watching that screening, I mean, it was such a powerful oh, experience you. because, you know, it, it just felt like, you know, you were there, all those stories, all those, yeah. you know, those well, messages from all the people that you showed the stories of. It was just yeah. so incredible. Lee's message made everybody oh. cry. You know, it yeah. reminded you of your mortality. And, yeah. and but at the same time, it told you how he became a podcaster and his reason is so powerful to save lives. Yeah. So uh, thank you for coming, by the way. I didn't get to thank you in person, but it meant a lot to me that you were there and uh, knowing that you travel from afar. And, uh, and that's why it means a lot to me to be on shows like this, because you're providing us an opportunity to share our story. And uh and let me tell you, um, this film has really taught me a lot about mindfulness and, and to understand mindfulness more than just using it as a loose word or, oh, yeah, I was mindful of. No, no, no. Really deep mind, you know, really sinking it in and applying mindfulness in a way that is delicate. And so, uh, man, you're a good job. I love your podcast. Thank you so much. Well, you know, uh, I'm just interested in what you would say to somebody out there that's just looking at the world of, of film and video and editing and thinking, you know, maybe that's something I'd like to get into. How can a person know if it's right for them? I mean, it can seem glamorous. It can seem like, man, that would just yeah. be amazing. But how can you really truly tell if that's the world you should go into? Man, first of all, it is not glamorous. <laughs> um, you know, when I was a kid, my dad took me to a lot of movies. And um, what I loved about movies was the way they made me feel, not the way they looked, not the special effects. Because I was, you know, when I was four, I got to see Star Wars uh, in, you know, in its glory. Yeah. And it had effects and it had all these things. But what caught me was the story. If you're a storyteller and you love storytelling, you could do it through a podcast, you could do it through video. But to know that you want to be a filmmaker, it's normally something that's like a beacon. It's in your chest and, and you realize that the visual medium is the way that you want to tell it. And so what's helped me in my career is first I started in film, then I went to video production. Now I'm doing podcasting. So in all aspects of my media delivery, I'm telling stories on different mediums. And I caught during the making of this film how much podcasting helped me tell a better story because there were times I would close my eyes and listen to the film, not watch it because I wanted it to be as entertaining as a potential podcast as it was a film. So for you to know you want to do this, you have to love the art of storytelling. The rest is just finding the proper medium to deliver your amazing story. 
When did you establish Wild Style Media? What's your okay. story as far as going back to sure. when you were just getting started? The brief uh, version of this is, you know, um, I always had a day job yeah. and uh, I went from just working at local television stations, trying to get my name out. When I graduated high school, I went to L.A. and back. And I finally ended up working at a homicide video for the Orlando Police Department. It was kind of gruesome, very, very difficult job to do. Mm -hmm. So I created my first company, Hidden Image Entertainment, just to literally be a, a positive distraction from seeing, you know, dead bodies and homicides and these things. Um, after a very close encounter, uh, you know, we had a shootout on the scene. It, it scared me. I got hired at the mayor of Orlando's office. These were my last years as a worker before oh. I became an entrepreneur. And the, uh, so in 2013, I left the city of Orlando being the producer for the mayor. And I wanted a fresh start, new company. So I created Wild Style Media because I used to be a DJ and it was DJ Wild Style. And I was trying to combine the way people knew me in one name. And then I moved to Tampa, created this new company, started from scratch where I had no resources, no friends, met Chris Kremitzos, and he connected the dots. And, and then, of course, the rest is just the hustle story of connecting, engaging. And then I launched my podcast. And finally, I've put all those things together. So Wildstyle Media is a high-end media production content creation firm. It just so happens that those include film, television, now podcast. We do podcast editing for tons of shows, including the Horse Radio Network. And now we do all of Lee Silverstein's uh, shows. So we do a little bit of everything. And it's all extensions of me loving audio and video right. for 25 years, actually, now. And so you must be gradually building your team to yes. help you do. But that must be one of the most important things to get the, the right kind of help. You couldn't have hit it better, Bruce. I was a one-man band uh, since I left the city in 2013. Uh, the film forced me to have a team because Chris sort of really asked me to focus only on the movie. It created the need to outsource. Um, so my brother is a, a, an editor as well. He's come on to help me with the day-to-day -day production. And then we have a, an amazing audio guy. If you watch this movie, you will see his work. His name is Rafael Lugo in Orlando. He was a hip-hop producer. I used to manage him as a child, as a kid. And now he is my ace uh, as far as audio editing. That's my core team. And then we have another editor that we uh, call on for the higher-end things. Um, but you're right, building the proper people is the only way that you can scale and still keep that quality that you love, that, that you have taken so much time and been mindful growing your business. The, um, your customers get you to a certain level of care. And if you don't build that right team, literally, they'll sense the difference and you could lose money and clientele. And that's a story for many of us as entrepreneurs, knowing yes. when and how to outsource. That, mm. that can be really tricky at times. Been burned a few times. You know, you, you, let's say, for example, you know, you've set a certain caliber for yourself. You hire an editor and you tell them what you want them to do, but everybody has their own visual style and their way of doing things. I've had clients that say, I could tell you didn't cut that. Could you do it again? And then I end up losing money because I paid them already and I had to redo it again. So I've had a lot of trial and error. I've been really blessed through this film that I was finally able to do the hardest thing, which is to trust somebody and completely let go. That is the ultimate step oh. until you can blindly trust someone. And I'll tell you, I want to say it's on your show. So the world knows Rafael Lugo is who made me do that. The way he did that was he consistently delivered on time every time. And he went above and beyond. And that created a bed of trust. Now with my brother and the, the people we're bringing on, I'm a little more trusting. And then they sense that I'm trusting and they don't burn you. So people burn you when they feel distrusted. 
Oh yeah. So this has really been a growing process. Yes, man. This has really been amazing, wow. but it's scary every day, even today, you know, little stuff, you know, but um, let me tell you, uh, when you start off by yourself, you get a little too used to yourself. And my advice to entrepreneurs, if you could maybe save yourself four steps that I went through, trust earlier, build your team earlier. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I've certainly run into the exact same thing where I've had, you know, help. And and then I I start to uh, just learn to trust them. Then things change. Then I have to learn to trust someone else. It's all a growing experience. That's for sure. But trust is earned. And so that's something that. I'm learning the hard way is not only do you have, they have to earn your trust, but you've got to give them enough of your trust initially for them to want to earn it. And so that's been the big thing with this film. I had to be away so long that there were times that I lost business because I was not having personal hands on with my uh, clients like they were used to. Um, But that also let some of the guys shine. Some of them stepped up to try to fill my shoes without me asking. And now that's why we have what we're enjoying today, which is a tighter unit um, and a better brand. And so I'm super excited now that we're going to do the Haiti film um, next that I now have a tighter, more um, responsive unit. And I feel like they will run the business while I'm doing the film as well. Well, you know what I'm interested in is how do you pull all that off and be a father and a husband at the same time? How do you, I know that requires mindfulness. How do you yeah, pull it off, Neil? That requires Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it sure um, Let does. me tell you, I'm a proud daddy and um, my little girl's been on my lap since, you know, when I started my business, I was a stay-at-home dad. So yeah. she's been with me growing and pulling this business out of the ground. My wife um, was the one at the time that I had to work to, we had reverse roles. And so that was difficult, but I never made that my excuse to not allow me to grow. And um, it comes down, this is where the mindfulness part comes is, I have to divide my attention so specifically and so carefully, and sometimes it upsets people. But you have to prioritize what will allow you to first be a balanced person and then be an amazing business person. And so I had to flip, always working on my business to being a great dad, being a really good husband, which then earned the trust of my wife, which allowed me the freedom to be a great businessman. And for a while, I was just being a businessman, ignoring home. And uh, my advice to everybody is, I don't like the word life, work, balance, all that stuff. Really, it's not about that. It's just in anything you do. If you divide yourself four times, you're not going to do well. So you just got to be mindful of the needs of each thing that's important to you and touch each one of those each day equally. And I think if you do that to the best of your ability, you will have a decent outcome. And that's what I credit to sort of still being um, a calm person right now. Cause I mean, this film and my podcast, I have a new vlog. It's a lot of things to do in a day, but as I touch each one each day, Bruce, and I try and do them for equal amounts of time and equal amount of attention, but I had to shut everything else off when I switch gears. And that's the hard part. Yeah, I can believe it. So yeah. it's, it sounds like, and I think I know this from before that you're pretty much a devout Christian yeah. and, and that is, you know, sometimes I like to connect the two, you know, mindfulness and being yeah. a Christian, whether prayer is your form yeah, of, you know, where you can really get the space you need. Maybe it's your, your form mm-hmm. of meditation. Is that how you would describe it? You know what? It's so awesome that you brought this up. I was I was raised a Catholic and I was not a really uh, devout one. I just went because dad told me to go to church every Sunday or else. Yeah. Yeah. As I got older and struggled with mindfulness and struggled with how to apply mindfulness in a good way, 
it wasn't until I met my wife, who was a pastor's kid, and I, you know, I was saved, and, and, I, and now I'm a Christian. And uh, but I don't use that as my, you know, I lean on that, and that's my everything. Because even though it is in my heart, it doesn't always work in the world of business. You know that. And the, yes, the yeah. real world does not love you running around, you know, waving a flag. They want you to bend to the will of the world. Yeah. So what I do is in my own time. When I'm in this edit bay at three in the morning and everybody's little green light is turning off on Facebook and I'm still there, yeah. I do take time to meditate for 10, 15 minutes. I do take a little moment to thank God for not only the things I got, but for giving me the will to keep looking for more. And then I apply it quietly in my own ways throughout the day. And when I can influence others, I do, but never in a way that's trying to change people, simply lead by example and hope that they see what I'm doing. And, and hopefully that brings them to the light of things. But um, it is a big core of my part of my daily um, mindfulness ritual is um, first finding, you know, my inner self and, and thanking God for everything. And then everything else is, it, it kind, of, kind of falls into place. Yeah. You know, not perfectly, but that's your job. He's not supposed <laughs> to put it perfectly. He just puts it on the table. You, you still got to make the puzzle. Yeah, you still have to make it work. Well, Neil, I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. And I'm wondering, were you ever bullied? Oh, Did you yeah. ever experience bullying in your life, Neil? Yeah, in bad ways. You know, I, when I was a kid, I was jumped a few times for, you know, liking and doing the things that I do and being told I should only focus on one thing. And uh, I was bullied verbally and, and, and sometimes physically as kids are. But um, back then we didn't know that's what it was called no. right? back then uh, it was just this yeah. kid's mean to me or this teacher is is yeah. mean to me mm -hmm. um those things though and i hope people are listening to this part is that bullying as much as people shouldn't do it the amount you allow is sort of in your power so as you work and this is where i rely on the christian side right making me a stronger man so that i tolerate less bullying right and i and i allow a little less in that doesn't mean that people can't force themselves but they tend, people tend to not bully you as much when you have a certain level of confidence about yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's almost like becoming, I learned at the Orlando Police Department is you are somewhat the reason you got robbed because they look for people that have their head down, they're distracted. You give clues to people to harm you. Yes. And if you walk like you're a, a confident person, you walk alert, you're a little less likely to be a victim. And I, and I say in life, if you want to be bullied less, um, ordered around less, uh, manipulated less, be more confident in yourself. And in what you believe in, whatever that is, and you'll be less likely to allow it because it is to some degree, a little bit are in our control, not all of it, just a little bit. Well, you're right. I teach that all the time when I do presentations. It's very important to realize, mm -hmm. you know, you are sending off messages all the time oh, yeah. and uh, you have to be aware of that and you have yeah. to be sending the right message. Be mindful of what you project, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My next questions, Neil, are are uh, just five quick answer sure. uh, questions. The first one is, who is one person who you would say has influenced your mindfulness? Ooh, my father, yeah. I think my father has been a big influence on me being more mindful and respectful as well. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, I think I control them better now because I'm mindful of my emotions before I let my emotions control me a lot. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us how breathing maybe is part of your mindfulness. That's a new one. I just recently started doing that. Uh, controlling my breathing, closing my eyes, you know, counting to 10, those type of small, yeah. simple steps. Yeah. It really, I never realized it really calms me down. And so I apply that now late at night when I'm editing to just sort of balance myself. And then I keep moving and it's been working great. 
Oh, that's good. That's good. If you could recommend a book that's somehow related to mindfulness, what would that be? Wow. Wow. That's a good one. I didn't think about that one. Um, hmm. You know, I read, I don't know if this is totally a mindfulness book, but I felt that it changed my mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey many moons ago. This is a book many people are aware of. Yeah. But um, I think it was a chapter on inner circle, outer circle. I'll let you guys find that. Yeah. Uh, but that chapter literally changed the paradigm of how I think. So I would recommend uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So do you recommend an app of any kind that might help you to be more mindful? Maybe it's something to do with productivity. Maybe it's like some people say, you know, once I can keep things straight, then that leaves my mind so that I can, yeah, you know, just think more clearly. I used two apps. One is super, super generic. The world will know it. It's called the Google calendar. (laughs) Um, I used to be a non-calendar user. The minute I went and started putting everything on Google calendar, uh, and I mean like the app, not necessarily through your email. um, It really has a hundred percent, maybe more reliable. Um, And as far as um, I have a a app called calm, I think it's called that is actually a meditation app. And I just started using it and it really has made me mindful of myself and how I feel and controlling meal. So those are the two things that I use to be productive and sort of more now, more balanced and more calm. Right, right. So how can Mindful Tribe connect with you? And of course, mention that movie one more time. <laughs> and how can we learn more about what you do, Neil? Listen, guys, if you want to see the movie, an amazing story, check out themessengersdoc.com. It's the website for the film. Um, and it will also keep you updated when we release it, whether it be on iTunes or Netflix. As far as me personally, I'm all over social media, easy to find. You can follow me at Twitter at, at Neil Galarte. Um, my podcast is All Things Post. So it's at all things post. And lastly, my company is at Wildstyle Media. And that's across um, that same name across all Instagram, Facebook. And the other big way is just check out my, um, my Facebook. It's really where I'm at the most, which is um, if you look me up in Neil Galarte on Facebook. All right. Well, Neil, thanks so much for being on the show. It's really fascinating to talk with you and how you you. keep focused, you keep grounded because you you. are one of the most grounded guys (laughs) I know. So thanks Uh, so much for being on the show, Neil. Oh, it's been my honor. And I would like to leave your listeners with this one thing. You can do whatever you want to do. I, my biggest life lesson was someone telling me you shouldn't do more than one thing. Just be a photographer, just be a videographer, just be a this. And not listening to that is why I've, I am currently enjoying some of the best days of my life. So please don't ever give up on what you want to do. Uh, be mindful of how you do it, but do everything that you want to do. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Neil. Have a great rest of your day. You too, my man. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.